Welcome to the To Be Blunt podcast, the Blunt County-based podcast discussing Tennessee sports. I'm Troy Provoheron, joined by, as always, my co-host, Taylor White. Taylor, how's it going? It's going good, Troy. Uh, got a little Big Ten basketball, a lot of white kids on the floor it's over never here shooting threes. Big Ten basketball with schools not named Michigan in their name. I don't want to watch it. Passing. I'm not watching Michigan either. They're not good. I might watch Maryland. I might watch uh, Purdue, too. I like Carson Edwards, but... I think that's for my f- list, my four list ends. Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, and Maryland. That's probably four more than I'm watching. If so you're, you're doing pretty good. If you're playing Wisconsin, if Wisconsin's on the TV, I like Ethan Hat. I don't like anybody else on that team. I'll you pass. don't like the fundamentals? No, I don't. Wisconsin's all about the fundamentals. I never want to watch basketball if the one thing you can point to is fundamentals. I like to think Wisconsin just does drills that you do when you're five years old and they're teaching you how to play basketball. They like dribble around a circle. Yeah, that's all they do for the entire time. Then you go the opposite way and you dribble with the other hand. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not watching that. So, sorry. And and they're playing Iowa, which is the exact same program a little bit further west. Nope. Yeah, there's what if Fran McCaffrey follows a ref in the locker room, though? You always got to be ready. I am. You got to be on your toes. There were eight white guys on the court the last time we looked on the screen. I'm passing. It's not the type of basketball I'm entertained by. Sorry. When he gets tossed in another two-game suspension, you're going to be sad. All right. Well, just for a heads-up, guys, this might be a brief podcast. A... Because, well, slow sports week. Really, really slow, like a snail's pace sports week. And two, because for one morning only, and this is exciting stuff, uh, the podcast is hitting the airwaves. Uh, As I fill in for Mike, the Greenfield Gunner, Edwards, uh, on the sports page, and Taylor will join me to talk Tennessee sports for the opening hour on Saturday on the sports page. You excited? Yeah, scraping the bottom of the barrel, but you know I can get myself out of bed on a Saturday morning and get over there. I think this is an exceptional podcast, and I don't think it is scraping the barrel. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I you think the, a lot of listeners would disagree. You're the first person I texted. Well, yeah, I think you knew everybody else was going to be in Auburn for the game. No. No. I, mean, I don't really know anybody else particularly. So, I mean, you were the first person I texted. You might have been the only person I texted. I might have <laughs> had to go in it out alone. Well, if I said with, no, where were you going? Uh, no, it's just going to be me, Ray, and Lonnie. <laughs> We're just going to shoot the crap. That could have been more entertaining. That's what it was going to be. So, I mean, whatever. But I'm glad you're going to be there. Yeah. We'll have some fun. Looking forward to it. All right. So make sure you turn your dials to 100.6 FM on Saturday morning and hear me and Taylor, Ray, and Lonnie discuss a whole bunch of nothing. That was a hard sell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're already listening to the podcast, then... What's, uh, what's another hour of nothing? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's nothing different. All right. Well, we'll start our slow sports week with some preps talk. And by that, I mean the only preps talk we have because there was only one game and spring sports don't start till Monday. Uh, we're recording this podcast on Thursday. So what that means is there are no sports conversations in this podcast. And also, there's only one game to talk about, and that was Maryville losing to Science Hill in the Class 3A sectional, ending their season a game away from the state tournament. And we talked about this last week, Taylor. I think this is as good an example of a cautionary tale of not letting what happened to Maryville in the region tournament happen to you. Yeah. You don't want to go on the road. You don't want to go on the road. And you don't want to play a team like Science Hill, who did get bounced uh, today, Thursday, in the first round of the tournament by Oak Ridge. Mm -hmm. And there's just such a big difference in playing Dobbins Bennett at home and driving all the way to Johnson City to play 
a really good Science Hill team. And I think I saw some Twitter complaints about refs and and whatnot and how be. But you know what you do? You, you're never. I've never seen a road team get a better whistle than the home team. So if you want to avoid that, win the region final game. Well, in a place like Science Hill has so much passion for their athletics. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I, I've been up there, seen you know football games, basketball games. Uh, I think I've been up there for a baseball game. You know? It was their first soccer game yeah, last year. Your time with the uh, Daily Times takes you to a lot of places you, you never think you'd And there was almost a to. there was almost a fight in the stands, actually, at that soccer game, yeah, so you're tri- right. I mean, Dobbins-Bennett, Science Hill, Tennessee High, all those schools are, have great fan bases, great passion. So you get into an environment like that in Science Hill, it's loud, it's rocking, it's obviously a predominantly home crowd. I'm sure Maribel brought a few people, but you get in that kind of environment and – yeah, that has an effect on officials. The crowd gets going, maybe they get in their head, and maybe you get one or two more calls. I, I don't know. I obviously wasn't there. Uh, we were both in Thompson Bowling on Saturday, mm-hmm. but that's that's the price you pay for for putting your game, putting the game in, in the hands of of the home team. And and that's also the price you pay for letting Jada Gwynn shoot two threes at the end of a region final game, and the best player in East Tennessee making both threes. Maybe don't let that happen. She is the best player in East Tennessee for a reason. I agree, and that's what happens. So, the season comes to an end. Uh, no Blount County team makes the state tournament, which is something that if you had asked me, I guess, midway through the season, I would have been a little bit surprised about. But just in the case of the Maryville girls, they were probably the best team, boys or girls, and probably the most dominant team in this area. How do you judge their season falling a game short of the state tournament? Well, they're going to be disappointed, but when you look at at the seniors and the career that Courtney Carruthers and Lindsey Taylor have had, I mean, they've been absolutely phenomenal basketball players for, for Maribel. And so you do kind of hate to not see them in Murfreesboro, see them get a chance to, to show off in front of a more statewide audience over in, uh, in the glass house. But it, it's obviously a great season. It's it's hard coming up short, but when you do the things they did, what would they lose? Three games this year? Yeah. I mean, that's that's incredible to go an entire basketball season losing only three games, and especially in high school where there's so much inconsistency. To, to show up night in and night out, and that one that one slip-up, you know, that's that's what they're going to be looking back on. Probably not the Science Hill game. They're just going to be thinking back on that Oak Ridge game. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think any time you lose in that fashion – I think it's easy to be really upset and and say it's a disappointing season in the immediate like the immediate future right afterwards like in the very short term I think it's very easy to say oh that's a disappointing season. I think in the long term we'll look back and say man that Maryville team was really good and a, a set of unfortunate circumstances at the end of the season cost them from having a real run at doing something even more special than what they already accomplished in the regular season and for most of the postseason. I don't think that, you know, that what they accomplished, there's nothing to hang your head about. And you look at what they have coming back next year. Mm-hmm. Courtney, obviously, is kind of the heart and soul of that team. She's kind of what makes that offense go. And Lindsey Taylor was just absolutely dominant down the stretch throughout the, the end of the regular season and through the postseason. There, there wasn't anybody in East Tennessee that was matching up with her. But Danae Fritz had an absolutely outstanding season. Gracie Midkiff, great season. They were sophomores this year. Yeah. So now you bring back two really good junior guards who have just have a ton of experience. They have postseason experience now. 
you mix in uh, you know some girls like Katie Cunningham and uh, Taylor West now, who who will be thrust into a kind of a bigger role. You know, there's a lot of talent coming back on this team. Yeah, a ton of talent. I think they're going to be a really good team next year. Now, do they have the you know when you lose somebody like Lindsey Taylor, who is scoring 17, 18 points a game, and obviously a, your starting point guard, are you capable of being the exact same team that were this year? No, I don't think so. But that doesn't go to mean that Maryville isn't capable of doing a having another state tournament run in them or another run where they have that ability. I mean, Danae Fritz already has a Division One offer as a sophomore. I think she's an incredible player. Um, you know, One of the best players in this area for a reason. And they're going to be dangerous next year just like they were dangerous this year. Maybe not to the same extent and maybe not as dominant. But that doesn't matter if you end up, you know, I think they'll take losing seven or eight games next year and make it to the state tournament over what happened this year. Yeah, and I think that's the cool thing about basketball is you might not be as good, but you still might be poised for a better season regardless. And as great as Courtney's been, and she always seems to have that knack for hitting the big shot, you can't coach size. And that's what Lindsey Taylor brings is a matchup that just not many people in East Tennessee can match up with. Which she, she listed at 6'2", somewhere right around there. Mm-hmm. As in high school basketball, I mean, that's, that's about as tall as you're going to see in this area. So now... Where does Scott West go from here in the post? He's going to have to, to break in a couple new post players. and It's a little different when things break down. You can't just toss it into a girl who has an automatic mismatch no matter who else is on the floor. Yeah. Well, that puts a wrap on the high school basketball season for us. Um, one that, you know, I think looking back on it now and just thinking about it off the top of my head, uh, from top to bottom might be the best high school basketball season I've witnessed in a while here. Well, they did send, what, two, three teams to the state tournament last year. Yeah, but, you know, the bottom wasn't... I, w- I would say from... I thought I feel like they had... Th- that this area had three really good teams all year. And Heritage Girls, we've talked about them a ton, was really good. I think, you know, you look at both the Alcoa boys and girls had a chance to make it to sectionals, you know, if they win one more game. I mean, you're talking about having five teams that really, in all honesty had a chance to make it in the region tournament and really far in the region tournament if given the opportunity. But obviously when you have three schools that play in the same district, that makes it difficult. But I think those top five of the Alcoa boys, Alcoa girls, William Blunt girls, Heritage girls, Maryville boys, and Maryville girls, that's six teams. I think all of those teams had excellent seasons, and I don't think that that depth has been present at all times here. I've always said East Tennessee – gets a bad rap for its its basketball. You know, people think of Tennessee basketball, they think of Memphis, uh, lately Nashville, with kids like, you know, Darius Garland and Jordan Bone coming out of Nashville and turning into into superstars. But Knoxville has solid basketball. And when you look around the area this year, there are seven or eight kids on the boys' side who have a chance to play Division One basketball. And that's, that's pretty wild. You know, one of them's obviously going to Tennessee. You've got a, a Drew Pember going to Tennessee. Joe Anderson will be a Division One basketball player. Kids like Dante Harris and Luke Burnett, who spent a lot of time in Blount County before mm-hmm. moving out. There's a lot of talent. And that you look around, that, that B. Mays elite team that we both have been familiar with, talking with Raul Placeris over mm-hmm. there, has done great things for East Tennessee basketball. And you're starting to see that kind of pay off when, when the high school season comes around. Luke Burnett won a state championship with Webb. Yeah. So, congrats to him. Um, all right, to college. And Taylor's been waiting for this 
to, to, to laugh at all you haters and and all of you just uh, for weeks. He's been waiting for it. He's been sitting here patiently, waiting, and now it's here. Tennessee's back. Yeah. Like they never left. I think, I don't know if it's a football thing where if you're an elite team in football and you lose a game, season's kind of over. It's hard for, for those elite teams to get back into a national pitcher after losing one or two games. In basketball, there's 30-some-odd games in the regular season. So they weren't playing well. You know, and Nobody can watch that team and say they were playing good basketball, get thrashed by Kentucky, sleepwalk through a Vanderbilt game, choke away a game against LSU. And now it's been a week. And they're on top of the world again. That's just that's the way it goes. It's in a basketball season, you're not going to be at your very best the entirety of the season. And they had a couple bad weeks. They weren't playing good basketball. And people, it's not even just Tennessee fans. I mean, some national media people. I think Pat Forty wrote the column that Tennessee was overrated. And you know, they had a couple bad games, and everyone buried them. That's not how basketball works. You're not gonna be beating teams by 25 points throughout the entire season, and Tennessee hit a slump. Now it looks like they're out of that slump. Yeah, well, Tennessee comes back. They smash Kentucky on their home court, and then they beat Mississippi State on Tuesday really bad. And, you know, during that stretch, Taylor, the thing I always talked about was, A, Tennessee needs to get back to being the defensive team that they were last year, and B, they need to start utilizing their bench more. And I felt if they did both of those things, they were going to be able to right the ship. Well, here we are a week later. A, Tennessee's playing really, really good defense. Yeah. And B, oh, Derek Walker and Jalen Johnson can play basketball again. Even if it's only for 10 minutes, they're playing basketball again. And so I don't want to say that I was right. I want to say that as a collective podcast, we were right <laughs> about this. You know, you told everybody to, to not jump off the ship. I said, hey, don't jump off that ship. They have some things they have to correct, but the season's not over yet. We were both right here. We're, we're smart, is what I'm saying here, and people should listen to us more. Yeah, I think the bench, you know, we'll talk about the defense. The defense has been just insane the last couple of games, and even going that Ole Miss game, they were, they yeah, were, they were good in Ole Miss. that Ole Miss game as well. But the bench hasn't been playing poorly all season. Just hasn't been, been, it just hasn't, been, just been, hasn't playing. been playing. Derek Walker came in in several games and got – one good minute, maybe two good minutes. All of a sudden against Kentucky, Kyle Alexander again gets in foul trouble. Derek Walker comes in, and he was great in that Kentucky game. Absolutely great. Had a couple rebounds, drew a couple over-the-back fouls, had a couple hard fouls, uh, one on P.J. Washington, kind of you know, clapping after saying, hey, we're not giving up easy buckets. I'm expendable. I realize that. I'm going to come in and I'm going to play hard. And it's fun seeing him get some time because we've really seen how big and physical he can be when he gets in the game. And I thought, looking even looking at the way Jalen Johnson played Tuesday against Mississippi State, got two, played within the offense, got two really good looks at three, hit one, missed one. Uh, I think he even had a really good defensive possession in there where he was able to you know, stop somebody from driving. Had a nice basket. drive, put the ball yeah. on the floor and finished a, that, that reverse layup. Yeah, I think... When you, when you see the way that those guys are playing right now, and, and even Fulkerson to some extent, because I think Fulkerson's playing really good minutes right now, both on offense and defense. Yeah, this has been his best, best stretch probably since uh, Breaking his he arm. broke his elbow. Yeah. Uh, I think right now this Tennessee team has kind of found 
what they need to be to be the team that can contend like everybody thought they would a month ago. And you know, I, I think you know at this point now, I think everybody on the team has admitted it. Um, when you win 19 games in a row, I think it's easy, easier said than done to keep things going the, the same way. Uh, it's just, you know, we're winning, and so yeah, we could fix that, but we're winning, so we don't. It's not a necessity. And the minute you get punched in the face like they did at Rupp Arena, I think it changed the con- entire complexion of the season. And yes, you wouldn't like to choke that game away at LSU like they did. But even that, I think, was a learning experience that I think you see them growing from right now. And they did play better against LSU. It's they did. It's not like the, the Kentucky game where they just went up and laid an egg. LSU's a top-ten team. Yeah, and they played much better against LSU, just made a couple of stupid mistakes down the stretch. But I want to go back to Jalen Johnson. And the thing all year has been you got to play defense to get on the floor for Rick Barnes. So that's why Eve Pons has been getting a lot of minutes. Eve Pons' defense has been horrible the last – you know, I don't know, month maybe, maybe a little more than a month. And he comes in on Tuesday against Mississippi State, guards the ball, comes over and plays nice help side defense on a drive, could have easily taken a charge, and instead he just hacks the guy. No reason, just hacks the guy. And he pulled him, Barnes pulled him, Jalen Johnson gets in the game, and I don't believe Eve Pons came back in the game after that. I, I could be so. wrong. I think he might have come back in the second half. Maybe, late, maybe when things got out of hand in the second half, yeah. he got back in. And Jalen Johnson gave him great minutes. So if you've got two guys and neither one of them are going to play defense, Jalen Johnson is a great scorer. I mean, he can put the ball on the ground. He's a great shooter. He doesn't give a whole lot of opportunity because he is somewhat of a liability sometimes on defense. But he can really put the ball in the hole. So going forward, if nobody's going to play defense out of that backup wing role, I think you're going to see a lot more Jalen Johnson. I think so too. And I, I think, you know, even – Rick talked about it a little today is you know, the thing we've been asking him to do is lock in on practice and you don't have to be a lockdown defender. You don't have to be, you know, Admiral Schofield or Lamonte Turner, any of those guys. You just have to be a positional defensive guy who can get in somebody's way occasionally and force the offense to do something else. Jalen looks like he's kind of finally buying into that. And I think as this season goes on with the way as talented as he is offensively, he's going to f- carve himself out. A, a slightly bigger role. I'm not saying he's going to play 15 minutes yeah. a game, but he's going to play seven or eight and, and kind of put himself in a position to be a much bigger part next season. And I think that that's important. Um, if you can get four points a game from him, then going that's forward, that's enormous. I mean, that's that's huge. If you can get four points in seven minutes from Jalen Johnson every night, that that's really huge. And I think that would be something that Tennessee would obviously welcome. Uh, Tuesday was senior night, Taylor. Uh, it was. And Admiral Schofield cried. Alexander came close to crying. Uh, Brad Woodson and Lucas Campbell put forth the greatest press conference in the history of press conferences after the game. Uh, I tweeted this after the senior day ceremony as the game was starting to tip off there. I don't think you can overstate how much A, Admiral Schofield, and B, this entire senior class has meant to this program. Just from the sake of buying into a brand new coach, uh, you know, obviously Admiral had committed and signed under Donnie Tyndall. Rick isn't even his coach, technically. I mean, uh, to buy in as fast as those guys did, I, I it's hard-pressed for me to think that Tennessee's in the position that they are now if those guys don't do what they need to do. Their freshman years of buying in and really believing that Rick Barnes could be the guy who develops them and makes them the basketball team that they are today. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool to to see the emotion from Admore right there, and he's an emotional guy, obviously. Uh, you see the shot he hit against Gonzaga, runs into the crowd, and that kind of snarl he gave has become kind of synonymous with his legacy now. Mm-hmm. When people think about Admiral Schofield, they think about that that kind of snarl back into the back into the the court, like he's already thinking about that shot that he just hit to to beat the number one team in the country. And it was cool to see the the ovation he got. His family's there. Even his family, some of his family members were crying. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just a lot of emotion going around. They panned to Grant on the uh, the sidelines. Grant's sitting there. He's fighting back tears. See, this this team just is so cohesive. They just enjoy being around each other. They're really genuine people. And it was cool to see all four of them have. You know, they all got their moment. Lucas Campbell got a knockdown shot. Had some looks. Got a knockdown shot, Rick, man. Rick made fun of him today and said, basically, you know, we want our guys to, to just flow within the offense. The exact opposite of what Lucas Campbell did when he got in there and trying to create offense. He's uh, a volume shooter that can't shoot. That, that was a, a priceless quote. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that these guys are super important to whatever has been built and whatever will continue to be done here at this program. I think they're going to be, you know, Admiral Kyle and even those two walk-ons. I think... You know, the way that Rick praises them for their preparation and stuff, I think they're going to be remembered for a really long time here. And looking on the court, Kyle desperately needed that game. Yes. I mean, he was fantastic. 20 was, minutes for the first time yeah. in like a month. Six points, 10 rebounds. I think he only got credited for four blocks, but I, mean, I don't know how many shots he affected in that game. Yeah. He was everywhere. If anybody needed a game like that from this team, it was Kyle Alexander. Yeah, and it was, for me, the bigger thing was, how does Admiral kind of control the emotions? He's obviously, you know, like you said, that you think back to that Gonzaga shot and the Florida win where they chomped off the court. Admiral's an emotional guy. He wears that on his sleeve. I was very interested to see how he handled the emotions of senior night because I figured it was going to go one of two ways. There was going to be no in-between. He was either going to be really good or really bad. And the minute he stepped on the court and buried the first shot of the game, I said, Oh, here we go. It's going to be an admiral night, and, and it was. I mean, he only scored 18 points, but they also didn't really try and do anything the final 10 minutes of the game, so he could have easily put up 20-plus if he really wanted to. Uh, I think it was a fitting way for him to go out, just the way he played. Uh, he's meant so much to this program, as I've said, and uh, for him to go out that way in front of the home fans and, and do the way he did it, I thought that was very fitting and apropos for his career. And he kind of, really him and Kyle both kind of embody – what has made people fall in love with this Tennessee team, the fact that he came in kind of a chubby, basically a power forward. He basically came in playing the four at 6'5", maybe 6'6", if you're feeling really generous. Yeah. And Rick Barnes completely transformed his body. Then all of a sudden he runs into his sophomore year, gets on the bad side of Rick Barnes, stops playing. He sits on the end of the bench. Uh, I think he even got suspended for a game out in Maui his sophomore season. I do believe so. And then comes back, has a, a great close to his sophomore year, and from his junior year on, he's just a completely different player. So he kind of just embodies that, that blue-collar grind mentality that this team has really built all of its success off of. Yeah, and with that, a win over Kentucky, a win over Mississippi State, Tennessee has a chance to clinch a share of the regular season title Saturday against Auburn. Um, in my eyes, it will not be a real conference title, but that's neither here nor there. They will still add it to the banner in Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, 
Taylor, the importance of winning a second straight conference title, quotation marks. Um, how important do you think that is for this program and kind of going forward? And, and I know you know, uh, you know, how Rick envisions this thing five years down the road. I guess how important is it to win this second one here? Well, when LSU forfeits that Tennessee game here in about a year, it's probably going to be a oh, legit uh, SEC championship. They could talk about Will Wade for a long time. Will Wade, uh, he's in some hot water. but It's boiling. It's, it's not hot. huge. It's the first time in program history that they've ever, they ever would have won back-to-back championships if they win this game Saturday. Yeah. And when you look at it, you know, some, Tennessee's obviously not a blue-blood basketball program, but relative to the SEC, they've had a lot of basketball success. And there's a lot of teams that maybe don't have back-to-back titles or don't have all those other accolades because Kentucky has absolutely dominated the conference for yes. so long. It's really difficult for these teams to come in and pick off a year here and there. But when you look comparatively to the rest of the league, Tennessee is probably the second most historical team in the uh, in the SEC. Maybe LSU is second. I mean, LSU had a couple good players, but I don't, I don't know how they've had any more team success than Tennessee has. I think they're in the same ballpark. I think Arkansas would be second if you're going to pick somebody else, just because Arkansas that too. does have the national title and somewhat recently, I guess. But that's to say that this team does have a lot of tradition. This program does have a lot of tradition going back. A lot of great players have come through, a lot of great coaches. But nobody has ever won back-to-back SEC championships. So obviously this team isn't going to be judged on whether they beat Auburn or not. If you you tell this team they're going to lose to Auburn but go to a Final Four or have a chance to go to a Final Four, get to an Elite Eight, something like that, yeah, they'll take they'll take the the NCAA tournament over the regular season title. That's what's ultimately going to determine this team's legacy. But to hang a back to back year uh, banner up in, in Thompson Bowling Arena for the first time ever, it, it's impressive. We had an interesting discussion on the sports page last week, and I kind of wanted to bring it here and, and have this topic with you before we switch to the Lady Vols. Uh, so, would you rather? Win an SEC title, you know, get the get the ring, get the banner, and lose in the round of thirty-two. Or would you rather, uh, you know, not win the SEC or not win the conference division, whatever it be? It doesn't even have to be a, a, a Tennessee basketball conference. Would you rather win your conference, your division, and and be eliminated early in the postseason, or would you rather not win that conference or division and make a deep run in the postseason without the guarantee that you don't win the whole thing? Yeah, you take the deep run. You take the deep run. That, yeah. That's how I felt. I don't think anybody's going to take a conference championship over a chance to win a national. Tell that to Mike Ray and Lonnie. Oh uh, well. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that line of thinking. If you have a chance to do something that's never been done in program history and get to a Final Four, the maybe the most prestigious event in college sports, getting to that Final Four. If you have a chance to do something like that, uh, you have to take that. Like, their thinking was, you can't take that and again you take it away from Tennessee because we made it a more broad thing you can't take away that ring that banner you can't you're not going to you know if if you're the Chiefs you're not going to hang a banner for losing in the AFC championship game you know what what Tennessee team is remembered more fondly the team that got to number one and won the SEC in 2008 well, that was my case then I think got college basketball is different by Louisville or the team that I think that 2010 team lost nine games maybe in the regular season, eight games, 
and then upset Ohio State, slipped into the Elite Eight. You know, who, who is remembered more fondly? I, and I, that's what I said. I think college basketball is a different animal. If if you don't win your conference and you make and you get to the Final Four, nobody cares. They remember you. Yeah, and you're gonna, you know, that final four banner is gonna mean just as much as any SEC banner you have in that building. Uh, in football, I would maybe agree with them. I would, you know, I think I would take the SEC championship and lose in a, you know, the Sugar Bowl, than the coming second in the SEC like Georgia did last year, two years ago, and lose in the college football playoff championship game. Yeah, maybe, but. Teams that win that championship, and I'm again just thinking mostly college basketball. Yeah, it's uh, it might be a different animal when you get into football, but even when you win that conference championship, if you have those high expectations, you've you've set those high expectations that you should be a national contender, and something happens, you fall short. That's what people remember about that team. People remember Virginia had a historic year last year. I mean, absolutely fantastic. Lost like two games in the regular season. That was the point I brought up. Nobody but remembers Virginia as winning the ACC. Nobody is going to remember anything. They remember about them that losing ring. to UMBC. No. Nobody, nobody wants that championship ring. I don't. I imagine the players and coaches don't want that championship ring. They, they hid it in their closet. It's, yeah, they have it. I, I'm sure they have it. It's not one you get out and look at. You know, that's no, it's a little dusty. That's bad memories right there. Everyone just remembers you lost to a 16 seed as the best team in college basketball. It's People remember what you did at the very end. Fair or not, a conference championship's impressive. You go, if Tennessee plays 18 conference games in what's a conference that's probably going to get 8 teams into the NCAA tournament and loses two of them, that's really impressive. But if they get bounced in the second round of the tournament, nobody's going to remember those 16 conference wins. Yeah. I was going to talk about our best friend Bryce Drew, but we're going to save that for Saturday in the radio show, okay? So podcast listeners, be excited. No Bryce Drew talk today. But if you're listening Saturday, we're talking Bryce Drew, and I'm going to bring it up, and i got some things to say about Bryce Drew. But <laughs> Lady Vols well, Basketball... What can you say about Bryce Drew that hasn't already been said? Oh, no, i got some things. And he's a bad coach. We've... It starts with the letter F. It ends with the letter D, and you can fill in the rest from there. Uh, Lady Balls. Uh, at the time we were recording this podcast last week, Tennessee and Vanderbilt were playing in a game that Taylor and I were sure was going to end in a Tennessee win. Not because Tennessee is good, but because Vanderbilt is very, very bad. Historically bad. Historically bad. It turns out, Taylor, that we were wrong, <laughs> and the Vanderbilt women did defeat the Tennessee women. Um... Turns out Tennessee is also historically bad. They are historically bad. Uh, Lady Vols did turn around and beat the holy bejesus out of Ole Miss the following game after a players-only meeting. Um, it seemed like they finally cared again. And then today— I think it should be said Ole Miss may be worse than Vanderbilt. I mean, yeah, but they lost to Vanderbilt, so <laughs> you should take pride in a 30-point win however you can get it. I guess. Um, and then the Lady Vols turned around and really snuck by LSU today in the second round of the SEC tournament— um, they didn't want to win the game in the first half. They turned the ball over like 16 times in the first half. They, I think in the first quarter. It was eight in the first quarter. It Only was, eight in the first quarter? It was 11 in the first 15 minutes of the game. I was um, listening to Mickey Deerstone at work today, and he e was not happy. Either way, Tennessee thought they were wearing purple in the first half, and then for whatever reason, something happened in the second half, and the Lady Vols stayed alive, and regardless of a historically bad loss to a historically bad Vanderbilt team, it appears 
like Holly Warlick and the Lady Vols are going to get back into the NCAA tournament and avoid oncoming disaster. Also, I'd like to point out, it does appear, assuming LSU beats Vanderbilt on Saturday on the men's side, the Vanderbilt men and women will combine for the worst record in SEC history with, I think, two total wins between them. It's a bad Maybe year. three. I can't remember how many wins the girls had. It's a bad two, I think. It's a bad year to it's be wearing black and gold. Worst, <laughs> worst combo in SEC history. But, yeah, I mean, Charlie Krim, the uh, ESPN W bracketologist, had Tennessee as the very last team in the tournament, and LSU is the very first team out of the, ter- the tournament going in. Mm-hmm. So LSU is basically officially basically out. done. Tennessee now is going to get throttled on Friday by Mississippi State. <laughs> who they might win. Handed them, I think, their worst loss in conference history the first time they, they played. did. Yes, twenty-eight points, maybe. It might have been worse than that. Maybe worse they, than that. Um, play it conservatively. <laughs> so. Now it becomes, does beating an LSU team that was about your same caliber and getting throttled by one of the best teams in the country, is that enough to keep you in the tournament? And you now you have to watch the other conference tournaments and see if somebody's going to sneak by in those mid-majors, somebody's going to steal a bid. you got to see what happens there. Now let's call a spade a spade. They're getting in. They it, If Tennessee's on the bubble and this is a really bad women's basketball bubble, the committee's going to find a way to get Tennessee in. The question now becomes, I think I think it's almost a guarantee they're going to get in. Uh, if Monday comes and they don't get in, feel free to tweet me or whatever you'd like. I'm sure you won't because most Tennessee fans will be happy that they didn't get in because that'll undoubtedly mean the end of the Holly Warlick era, which I think most people want. Um, but I think they're going to get in. And then becomes the case, what does Holly Warlick need to do to remain as the head coach and really make people mad here. If I had to guess, Philip Fulmer's going to do everything he can to not fire Holly Warlick. Oh, I've, I've made that very clear on this podcast before. So, getting into the tournament itself might be enough. No, that's not enough. You don't think it's enough? It's enough. It's I mean, enough. it shouldn't be enough, but it might still be enough. I think she has to at least win one game. If they lose in the first round, she's done. If she wins one game, Fulmer waffles a bit. He doesn't know. I think it's a 50-50. I think he, I think he might literally toss a coin in his office, and whatever the fate be is what it will be. If they get to the Sweet 16, she's back. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to fire a coach coming off a of Sweet 16. You could you could easily fire this coach. After but to get 16. to a Sweet 16, you're going to have to beat somebody on their home floor. You'll yes. be in a, a pod with... You know, that, that's how they break it up in the women now is the top four seeds in each region host. So you're going to be probably a 10 seed. Maybe you get to a 9 if you play Mississippi State within 25 points or so. Maybe you sneak up to a 9. But uh, my cat is very upset at the door, Troy. Can you let him in? <laughs> no, I have to let him in now? Yeah. Keep talking. Uh, so you're not getting to a Sweet 16. This team isn't good enough to upset somebody on their home floor. What... I think if she wins a game, she's probably safe. I think if if she goes out in the first round, you do have some questions. But I'm going to ask, what, what do you think about her resigning? Do you think there's a chance where she finally kind of says, you know, things obviously aren't working here, I'm in a tough spot, maybe I should step aside and see if someone else can come in and right the ship? Not a chance. 
You don't think she'd do it? Well, I had this conversation with Ben McKee, and one, I think that there is going to be the the belief in her eyes and Fulmer's eyes that this is a young team. I believe they have eight freshmen, sophomores. Hey, if I can stick around and we can finally, for the first time in four years, buy into me as a coach, because she hasn't had a single team buy into her as a coach in four years. Uh, is that not a red flag? Oh, I think it's a tremendous is red that, flag. If you it's have a, to go to the athletic director and say, hey, look, I know they haven't respected me for the last four years, no. but I think this one's really <laughs> going to respect Taylor, me. Hold on, let me, let me make my <laughs> point clear. Tennessee went to the Tennessee women's basketball went to the flag store and bought the biggest red flag that they had in the store. They are waving that thing proudly, okay? But the problem is that even though this big giant red flag is being waved back and forth, um, I think you I think you could say, hey, if I can get these girls to buy into me, even though they don't <laughs> like me, um, we could be good next year. We have a lot of talent. This team has six McDonald's All-Americans, regardless of if you want to say that they're All-Americans or not, because they really aren't. They're just All-Americans because they had Tennessee signing next to their At names. At least one more coming in next year. And that's a whole different conversation. We need to start giving accolades to girls who are actually the best players in the country, not just based on where they sign. But, again, that's a whole other I mean, conversation. If you look at their rankings, they are signing players that are ranked high. Jasmine Massengill is not a McDonald's All-American. Now, maybe the McDonald's All-American, that might be based more on where they're signing. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. As far as their rating coming out of high school. No, that's what I'm saying. They have six McDonald's All-Americans on this team, and I think two of them are McDonald's All-Americans. I think Renaya and Avina are McDonald's All-Americans. They have the number two player in the country coming in next year. And I think that that part of that, all of these things... Or I think Fulmer is going to put on his big orange blindfold and ignore that red flag and keep her if they win a game. But resigning is out of the question number two because regardless of what you've done, how much you love this program, yada, 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 it just is smart economic sense that Holly has a $900,000 buyout if she gets fired. Yeah, but if, if she resigns, Fulmer's going to find a nice spot for her somewhere. Put her in the athletic department. Give her some kind of advisory but see, that's role. the question nobody's I mean, asked. going to be a spot. That's me. the question nobody's asked. Does Holly want to give up coaching? Well, she's not very good at it. That has not stopped well, a lot of coaches. Maybe you give her an assistant spot on the team. She's obviously an okay assistant coach. Or Pat Summit was just the greatest head coach of all time. You know. I, maybe you, you say, hey, you can hang around as an assistant here. If I'm Holly, I think that's demeaning to me. Well, it's demeaning to get put in the athletic department, too. That's what I'm saying. I'm not convinced that Holly wouldn't go coach elsewhere. Well, that's fine. I mean, I don't think you might have a problem with her going to coach elsewhere. But I don't elsewhere. think Holly's resigning to from Tennessee to go coach elsewhere is, is my point. I don't think she wants to be a head coach. I think if she went to coach elsewhere, she would try to get on as an assistant. I think, she'd be, a head, I think she'd be a head coach. I mean, maybe if she wanted to go somewhere small D1. But I think she would probably rather be an assistant you know at a, an actual program. I think Holly might do okay as a, like a mid-major, low-level Power 5 coach. Where there's no pressure, you know, you can go five. Yeah, but you also don't recruit have... all, uh, McDonald's All Americans at mid major. Well, I'm just saying she could go to she could go to the Big Twelve and finish second in the Big Twelve every year behind Baylor. Nobody would be happy, but nobody would be sad about that. She does own Texas for whatever reason. Yeah, so you know, I think she would really thrive in the Big Twelve, other than when they play Baylor every year and they get beat by twenty. The point is, she's not going anywhere if they win a tournament game. 
I'm convinced. I think if Fulmer doesn't fire, it's not because he thinks she will right the ship eventually. I think he probably understands. Just doing that. it out of indifference. Yeah, I don't. I think he's he knows Holly very well. Obviously, they were around at the same time. Maybe he wants to give her every last chance he can. Yeah, maybe he doesn't want a coaching search right now. Maybe he's trying to get football straightened out. That's been his answer to several things, several different questions. Adam. These are these are all the signs of a, these are all the signs of a bad athletic director. Somebody who waffles, doesn't make stern decisions, doesn't want to make a big decision. These are all concerns I have about an athletic director. Well, he hasn't even done anything yet. That's what I'm saying. She should have been fired after Vanderbilt Taylor. Uh, You can't fire her midseason. Why not? What good does that do? Dean Lockwood's just as bad a coach as she is. Are you going to give the team to Dean Lockwood? He's not a good coach either. Let her finish out her bad year. I think maybe you get the girls to buy in. To who? Finally. To anybody that isn't Holly. Because like I said, for four years, Holly's been trying to get kids to buy in. I guess what they haven't done. Bought in. Unless you fire her and bring in Gino Uriyama to coach the last five or six games of the season, it really doesn't matter. That team is going to be what it is at this point. All right, so here's the question. Let's say they get in the tournament, they lose to the University of Buffalo, Saskatchewan in the first round, and that's it. Holly's done. Uh, I want your top. The, the, I want your first three names you call to be the next coach of the Tennessee Lady Volunteers. I'm calling the Louisville coach first. Okay, you're calling Jeff Walls first. Jeff Walls. He's a young guy. Had he's second on my list. A stupid amount of success. I really like Vic Schaefer. Okay. I don't know if at this point in his life he would want to make a move or if Tennessee would want to go I doubt it. for an older coach. and They might want somebody a little bit younger, but he's been absolutely fantastic. My third coach, I guess I would call Don Staley probably. Okay. Don Staley's my number one. Um, I think Don is kind of in a similar boat to, you know, some other, you know, Big, I think he, I think she's in a very similar boat to Mark Few. Yeah, she could leave for a much bigger program. I'm like, I got a rocking over here. Why do I want to leave? Um, but I'd still make the call. I think she already has a road named after her down there. She does. In Columbia. She does. And so she'd have to drive past her own road every time they went to South Carolina <laughs> to play. That would be weird. Uh, but I'm still calling Don Staley first. Jeff Walls is second. I'm calling him. And if that fails... I don't think you can get a coach in here that, if that fails, you're not getting another big-name coach in here. Third call I'm making is to Nikki McRae at Old Dominion, and she's third on my coaching board right now. Interesting. I would make one call to Louisville, and I would end it. I think, Pay the man. I think Jeff Walls would come here. The question is, is if you're Fulmer and you have already shown this you know, fondness of Holly of obviously the Pat Summit legacy, you know what that's all about. I question if Fulmer's going to make a move away from the family, away from the coach tree. And so why I put Nikki McRae on this list is, one, she's a former Lady Vol, so she is a disciple of Pat Summit, but Nikki McRae was also an assistant coach of Don Staley for a decade. She's also of the Don Staley coaching tree. I think Don Staley's a really good coach. I think Nikki McCray checks off the box as a former Lady Vol. I think it's the best up-and-coming coach that you can have on your team. If I, And I, I do think Fulmer would want to stay in the Summit family. I think trapping yourself 
like that. I is, completely agree with you. I'm just saying what I think is what his mindset. And if he goes outside that family, there's going to be some Lady Vols fans that are upset. But I think if you hire Jeff Balls, you're going to lose a lot of Lady Vols fans. Yeah, but what that. happens when they start winning again? Everyone comes back. I, I, Everyone I wants a winner. You. That's Winning solves any problem you could possibly but if think you of. Don't, That's why Will Wade isn't going to get fired yet. Because he's winning basketball games. Well, he's going to get fired. And maybe, but it's going to take the NCAA doing some stooping around to get him fired. He's not getting fired off this report because he's winning basketball games. If they come in, Jeff Walls comes in, they start winning basketball games. Anybody who is upset about the hire, upset going outside the family, uh, well, he's doing okay over there now. Maybe I'll go check it out. Oh, he made a Final Four. Everyone's back. No, winning I'm cures you. everything. I'm with you. I'm just saying. I think Fulmer might be a little hesitant to pull the trigger and upset people. He seems a little hesitant to pull the trigger right now. Well, he did hire an Alabama man through and through to come up and coach his football team. That's true. But, to be fair, Tennessee football really doesn't care where you come from. They just want to win. And I think... There are a lot of people. There were people clamoring for T. Martin last coaching I agree. Who was hopefully underqualified. I think the reasonable Tennessee fan says... Oh, Alabama keeps kicking our butt. Well, why don't we hire an Alabama coach so we can stop getting our butt kicked well, by Vanderbilt? You don't think the reasonable Lady Vol fan wants to hire a, a team who's or a coach who's turned a? I don't. Know, I don't think Louisville has any tradition at all well, into my, my question a of, dominant program. My question of that would be, what is Louisville known for pre-Asia Durr? I mean, they were a, they were a good program before Asia Durr. And then you sign one of the five best players in college basketball right now, and she plays for four years. Obviously, it's going to make you really good. I don't know that Louisville was a dominant program before they had a dominant player. But if you can Tennessee's sign going to, Tennessee's going one to of the sign five best players, players at Louisville, you can yes. sign three of the five best players at Tennessee if you get things rolling again. I mean, you would hope so. I think that was a good discussion. I think, there's still a, I think the water is still very murky. It is. I'm not sure she's going to get fired. I do think she might resign. I, th- I do think that's more of an option than you do. I don't think not saying it's going to happen, but I'm not saying uh, I wouldn't completely rule it out. I don't care how much I love a program. I'm not passing up on $900,000 of buyout money. That's a lot of money. You get her a nice spot in the athletic department. You know, she's making some okay money. Can you imagine You can still pay her her buyout. You, she could resign yeah. and still pay her her buyout. That is true. But the problem, resignation isn't always the problem with that is Taylor's. Is we live in a world now where open records and stuff like that. That stuff has to be open to the public, and it's going to be turned out that you fired Holly Warlick. It's gonna that's going to come to light eventually. You just have to walk over to her to her office, just pack it up for her in the middle of the night. And she shows up. The writing's on the wall. She says, "Okay." And maybe you put her name on a nice new office in a different building now. She's got a nice new role. I don't think it has to be a big deal. She might mess that role up, too. You don't give her something important. I mean, Lord, she obviously can't handle that. All right. Give her something that has a nice nice ring to it, nice fancy title, but in reality, she shouldn't really do anything. All right, so while we are almost ready to say goodbye to a non-legend, we are also saying goodbye to a real legend, and that is Randy Lambert. Uh, the Maryville College Scots lost in the first round of the NCAA Division III tournament to Marietta, Ohio, um, and thus ending the coaching career of Randy Lambert. Taylor. 
I love Randy Lambert. I think we all love Randy Lambert. He's always been a joy to deal with. You know, if you talk to him after a game, you have absolutely no idea if his team won or lost. Uh, and also make sure that you have enough tape on your recorder. Oh, yeah. He sits down, he crosses his leg, he leans back, and he just looks over and says, all right, where are we going to start? <laughs> uh, he's just, he's always been fantastic to have conversations with. Uh, he's done great things for that community. And he's really just, he's become synonymous with Maribel College Athletics. Agreed. You think of Maribel College Sports, Randy Lambert's the first name that comes to your mind. Yeah, and I mean, he's going to be around. I'm sure Randy won't be too far oh, yeah. from anything you're looking for. I mean, I'm sure you could maybe stand outside the basketball court and see Randy Lambert um, on any given day. I'm sure he's going to be around and he's going to be like a shadow. But it is now our good friend, Raul Placeris' turn uh, to take the helm and and lead this team, and I, I, I really do think that Raul's going to do a very good job at Maryville College. You're going to see a lot of Randy Lambert in the way <laughs> Placeris, you know, coaches and the way he handles himself. He's he's cut from that same cloth. You're going to see a lot of similarities there when he's on the sideline. He is, but I also think you're going to see a an interesting, an interestingly new style of basketball from the Scots next year. I do think that they're going to be a little bit more up and down than they have been in the past. I think they. Uh, I think they might be a little less post-oriented, a little bit more guard-oriented. And I think it might be a an, ex- an a new, exciting brand of basketball for Maryville College. He's going to do a good job. I think he He's is. a good coach. All right. That's all I got. And we're looking forward to seeing what Raul can do in the future. But um, in the near future, make sure to tune into the radio show on Saturday and listen to me and Taylor uh, talk about absolutely nothing for a while. Um, and other than that, as always... Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at ToBeBluntPod. Um, and if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast, you can email us at ToBeBluntPod at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, make sure to give us a nice five-star rating. Maybe say some nice words about the podcast, you know, about how we really make the one hour of your day when you listen you know, the best hour of your day. You know, whatever you want to put in there. You can even say some mean things. All publicity is good publicity. Yeah, I'll take if some. If you don't like us, you don't like us. I'll Let take, everybody know about I'll it. I'll take some mean things. I like mean things. I, I handle mean things well. So. Yeah. That's what everybody <laughs> says about you. You're great with criticism. <laughs> so that's all we got for you guys this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Or maybe we won't. I'll be at the SEC tournament. We'll try to get it done before the SEC tournament. Yeah, we can get it done. We can we can knock one out. Don't play till Friday. Tournament. I don't know what we're gonna talk about, but hopefully that Auburn game's really fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all we got for you. We'll talk to you guys next week. Deuces.